0: many of us get an opportunity to sit down and talk to a farmer just about what they do. In my job, I get that chance once in a while, and this time I recorded it. I'm Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. Today's episode is a conversation with Emily Denhawn, who runs a dairy farm north of Toronto. This is the first of several episodes on the theme, Talking to Farmers. My objective is to introduce listeners to people who farm for a living, what they do, what they think, and what they'd like you to know about how they produce your food. As always, we appreciate your time and attention. If you enjoy the podcast, give us a like on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have ideas, reach out and let us know. We're open to suggestions. But for now, here's my conversation with Emily. Trust you'll enjoy it. Well, hello, Emily. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat with us today.
1: Hi, no problem.
0: So, so this is the first of of what I hope will be several episodes where we talk to farmers and and really sort of give people an insight into what what do farmers do, what do farmers look like, sort of virtually over a podcast. Tell us a little bit first about what you do. You're you're a dairy farmer.
1: Yeah. Yep. So I am here on my uh, family's dairy farm. I work with my two parents, my mom and my dad. And we have a dairy farm. We run about 500 acres of uh, cropping land, which the majority of that feeds our cows. So it's forages or it's corn silage or or soybeans that are made into pellets. And so we are kind of a mix of cropping and dairy. And then we also have a on-farm processing facility. So we we pasteurize and we bottle our own milk right here on the farm. And my sister and my brother-in-law, they manage that side of the operation. So my my role is on the farm side. I take care of the animals and I just make sure that they have a happy life. And I make sure that our, our cropping rotation and that what we do in the fields is sustainable and it's going to keep us going for, for generations to come.
0: So that's, that's cool. So why did you decide to farm?
1: Yeah. So, you know, ever since we talked about doing this podcast, I've been trying to remember if there was a specific moment or a specific period of time where it was like, yes, I'm going to farm. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But I honestly can't, I can't think of a time. I I can remember when I was a kid, um, I was really involved in 4-H and even like probably from the age of four, I'm the youngest of four kids. So as soon as my oldest brother got involved in it, we kind of all joined in and, and played our part. So, and I can remember I always loved animals. You know, we got a calf every summer that we got to work with, and, and she was kind of like our pet. And I always loved animals at that point. And then I, I just, all through school, I always worked on the farm. Um, I had one job that was off the farm. I worked at Sobeys in the food, uh, the salad bar, which was fun. But it was nothing like working on the farm. And yeah. so I went back to the farm. And I can remember when I was applying for universities, I had to get into Guelph for agriculture because I knew that either I wanted to farm or I wanted to work in agriculture in some sorts. And that is that's I, I just that's all that I remember about how I got into to farming and and then whenever I went to university, you know, it was like a light bulb switch. Like I don't think I really appreciated how much there is to love about agriculture industry and about farming. There's so much variety in the work that you do. You know, it's so hands on. It's so physical. And and I always loved that. But I don't think I ever really realized how much I appreciated having that just outside the back door to do. So I guess I've always kind of wanted to farm. Um, It just took leaving and going to university to really realize that why I wanted to farm.
0: So you said you have a sibling who is involved on the farm who, who manages the, the processing facility and, the, and your milk store and that sort of thing. You have other siblings who are older who, who are not actively involved in the farm. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: that's right. So my oldest brother, he actually, him and uh, his wife, they, they had a dairy farm. They, they were farming for probably close to 10 years um, in Markdale. And then, uh, they just sold it not that long ago. He also does hoop trimming. So he goes around to farms and he's like the pedicurist for cows is what we call him. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) he runs this mobile spa.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's always had that business and they had two little girls. So he just, he had to choose between the farm or hoop trimming and, um, and hoof trimming was was working really well for their lifestyle. So, so yeah. So he does hoof trimming. So he's still really involved in the dairy industry. And then my other brother, he actually married a dairy farmer. And so they're in Fergus, and they have three little kids. And they have a robotic farm similar to ours as well. So he also works for East Gen. So he sells bulls to farms. So so everyone's still involved in the in the dairy industry for sure, in one way or another.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So so it's not like it's not like some siblings decided they didn't want to farm, which we, we hear about sometimes. Yeah. It's just everyone got active in a, in a different way.
1: Yeah, that's right. And Marianne, she like she, she was never really interested in farming. But then in 2012, when my parents opened up the on-farm processing, she was actually teaching in Nunavut in the Northwest Territory. Wow. Yeah. And uh, she thought she was going to be a teacher and, and, and she really enjoyed politics. So she might have gotten into politics. But then she came home for the summer that we started up and she started helping my mom to just distribute and and market the product and everything. And she fell in love with it. And so now she's been home for eight years now. So so it's really having non-farm dairy has brought Marianne home, which is something that she she never would have thought possible because she just she wasn't interested in the actual the farm side of the business. So,
0: yeah, it's pretty cool. That is cool. So you talked about all the things that you love about farming. What's the worst part of farming?
1: Yeah, you know there are there's definitely bad days. It's just like anything, you know, when when the tractor breaks down or sometimes it seems like there's bad weeks when when it's cropping season and and the rain doesn't stop or, or something like that. We're we're so dependent on the weather and that that can really throw a curveball. But you know what, I think the hardest part is that And it's just recently come on. But as an industry, we do so much to to make sure that our farms are sustainable and and good for the environment and that we are taking care of our cows and to then to go on social media or to go on to to watch the news or, or whatnot and see this rise in animal activists and and that they just they're spreading these these false these false facts about what goes on on the farm. And they're really they're they're kind of smearing your name in the mud and as many as many would say you know farming is not just a job it's a lifestyle and so to hear people bash you like that is it's hard to not take it personally and so personally you know you can get over whenever the weather's been bad for a week because it's it's nothing personal it's just that's the way it goes Um, and sometimes you can laugh about it but when you When you're constantly getting bashed by the very people that you are feeding and that you are you are doing these great jobs and you're working around the clock and putting your heart and soul into something that to me that that's the hardest part about farming in in this day and age
0: so if if I had and and there will be if people who don't have a good understanding of dairy farming out there, what's one thing you would tell them about what you do and how you do it?
1: Yeah, so for sure. So we actually do tours on the farm and we have people come and they can see, you know, everything that happens on the farm. They walk through the barn and everybody wants to know something different about the farm, right? They they oftentimes they come in and they they just want to see where the cows live. They want to see how they live. They, you know, the we are now in a robotic milking barn. So the cows basically milk themselves. And so I think people just want to want to be able to see and, and know that the cows have a good life and that. You know, they're they're being fed properly. They they've got lots of water, and and we care as farmers. We care about their well-being and about how they're doing, and and that comes from not only because because as farmers we we love animals and and we care about the environment because we have to. Because on a business perspective, if your animals are not happy and your animals are not healthy, then you're not going to have that business to build that lifestyle around.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's cool. And so if people want to come on a tour of your farm, they well, probably not in current times with, with the COVID shutdown, but but generally
1: <laughs> no, yeah.
0: you're open and you schedule tours and let people take a look. You're not hiding anything.
1: Yeah, we were actually supposed to have a beaver. One of the beaver's clubs was supposed to come on Thursday night this week, but we had to cancel it for obvious reasons. So, yeah, so we do an open house once a month um, in the summer months, in the nice months. And we're gonna do one at Easter, but obviously that's canceled too. Yeah. But yeah, we we take a lot of groups in. It's something that whenever we built this barn and when we started the dairy, we've always we've always been focused. You know, it's animal activists have always been there. When I was at Guelph, I can remember. You know, we were talking about them then. I feel like it's maybe been heightened in the last in the last year or maybe two years, but they've always been there. And you know, we've always as the agricultural industry we should never stop educating our consumers on where their food comes from because it's so important that everyone appreciates and knows what goes into the very food on their plate. Um, and so when we started the processing facility and, and when we built our new barn, that was all in mind that we want to make sure that these are, the, the barn, for example, is built so that we can have groups of tourists come through and they can see everything that goes on in the farm.
0: So so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. No, I've clearly seen them myself, but I expect there are people out there who, when you say robots milk the cows, have this image of the, of the maid from the Jetson family
1: yeah.
0: running over and milking the cows, which, which is inaccurate. Can you explain sort of in lay terms what robotic milking is?
1: Yeah, so there's a stall in the barn and the cows know that, that what that stall is. And whenever they feel like they want to get milk, it's similar to a a mother who's nursing. She knows when it's time to feed her baby and the cows are the same way. And so whenever they feel that weight, they will just walk into that stall and uh, an arm will come out and it will clean off the teats first and then it will attach to the teats. It's all super sensitive, like super sensitive as far as uh, air pressure and, and making sure that the milkers come off in good time, and it also it has a lot of alarms, so it has my phone number. So if anything goes wrong, then it, it's sure to call me, and then I'm I'm usually right here, and I can just go and make sure everything's okay.
0: So that then gets to the, the next question, because that's clearly changed what you do as a dairy farmer. Mm-hmm. What does your typical day look like?
1: Yeah, so we have two employees here at Handy Farms um and myself so when I first get in in the morning I you know you just take a look around and make sure just by looking at how the cows are doing and and you can get a vibe for how the evening went with the cows pretty quickly and so whenever you walk in you just take note of that I check to see if there's any cows that calved overnight or if there's any cows that are calving at the moment and then I go to the computer so and this is new because we now have robotic milking I go to the computer and I can see if there's any cows that need help to get milked, um, whether it's that they just, they didn't get up overnight to go get milked, or if there's something else wrong. So a cow has to get milked every 12 hours. That's just to make sure that there's no milk sitting in that udder that shouldn't be. And so then if there's a cow that's over 12 hours, then I will go and take a look at her. And oftentimes they're fine. They just decided not to get up early that morning or decided not to get up. And so as soon as you walk up to them, then usually they look at me and they go, oh yeah. And then they get up and they just walk straight to the robot. So yeah, so that's, that's what my morning is. And then I, uh, I feed the calves. So I bring warm milk from our cows. I bring it over to the calves and then I feed it to them and our, our help. So we also, part of our morning chores is to, Make sure that all the cow where the cows lay is clean, clean and dry. And so between myself and our two employees, um, we just make sure that everyone is bedded up and everyone is cleaned. And then that takes care of morning chores. So that usually takes us from 6.30 or 7.00, we get here in the morning. And then we're done at around, depending on the day, we can be done around 10.00. Sometimes it's not till 11.00. And then the rest of the day until 4 o'clock is when we start evening chores. But uh in between eleven and four is really our time to do what we need to do, so whether that's if we need to fix a fence or if we need to clean out a pen that that needs to be fully cleaned out so not just set it up or if there's field work to be done or if a tractor needs fixed or that's kind of when you do all your odds and ends
0: okay yeah that so that makes that makes a lot of sense and and you know we were talking before we started to record for many of us life and work is significantly different now in uh, in the age of of covid-19 but for you your day-to-day except maybe for the farm store your day-to-day hasn't changed a whole bunch really probably
1: yeah so it's it's uh it's really really cool to see actually from both sides because i'm on the farming side but right outside the farm you can see the store and we've converted the store, so it's all online, and people just come. There's boxes outside that they pick up for their orders, and so people don't even go in the store. They just come, they pick it up, and then they leave, and um there's a lot of people at the store, and and you hear, like, listening to the news and looking on social media. You know, the panic is is obviously there, and there's a lot of, it's almost like the world has stopped for some people, and yet on the farm, you know, you walk in in the morning, and and the cows don't really care. The cows, the cows just go on their way. We just had a cow cab this morning. And so, you know, everything just, just keeps ticking, uh, as it used to because it's no different here, right? And, and we are so, we don't have as many sales reps coming in or people coming in to, to drop stuff off unless it's necessary. And so maybe that slowed down, but. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, not too much has changed in our day to day. It's, I was saying earlier, it's it's kind of funny because it feels like the world is moving in slow motion and it feels like we are supposed to slow down in some sense, but nothing is slowing down.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And in fact, we're coming to the spring rush really pretty quickly, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm starting to feel like I'm starting to itch like, well, every spring you get that itch that so you're like, ah, oh, should, we should be out in the field. We should, we need to get out in the field, but we're definitely wait, we're definitely too early for that. But yeah, it's just starting to come.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, I'm going to spring a question on you that that I hadn't written in my pre notes, but mm-hmm. you know, many of us when we when we hear the word farmer, we think of a man in his fifties or sixties. You're not a man in your fifties or sixties.
1: far from it
0: yes Uh, and and so do you think are there any differences this is maybe a naive question are there any differences because you're a young woman in in this sort of stereotypically male world
1: yeah you know what I am extremely fortunate to have grown up with a very strong female figure my mom Um, she's always been involved in the farm she's always been involved in the decision making on the farm. And so it was never a big deal for me. Even going to Guelph, it was never a big deal for me. Whereas when my mom started out, it was much more of a big deal and there was much more obstacles for her to overcome. So for myself, I can't say that there are a lot of obstacles. And, and you know, I'm in a great communi- community as well where I grew up. Most of the younger farmers around here, I grew up with, whether it's through the 4-H program. And so when we talk, it's just... um we just talk about farming just like like any any other people, any other farmers would talk about farming, yeah, so i would I wouldn't say that i've I've got a leg up by any means or or that that I've got a disadvantage i think I think we have our our the female farmers that came before us. I think we have them to thank for all the hard work that they put in to make it to where it is today that that we can farm without obstacles.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, I, uh, many years ago, was doing some work in a consulting role that I did where we were interviewing farmers to evaluate how they answered questions on the census of agriculture. And the Stats Canada people were trying to test questions and see how people answered them and if they were getting the information they wanted. And I remember, this is probably 25 years ago being in a community center outside of Regina and talking to a young woman whose father had passed when she was 15, and she had taken over the farm when she was 15. She was probably at this time in her late 20s and answered the question, are you a farmer? I don't remember exactly what the question was, and she said no. And I I shook my head a bit and I said, well, why would you... Say no, given what you've told me about your farming operation, well, you know now that we have kids i'm I'm maybe in the field a little less than I used to be, and I'm the one doing the accounting and I'm the one running for parts and and that sort of thing, and maybe I'm just not as active in the farm anymore and and I said, are you involved in the decisions and are you involved in the finances and that sort of thing? oh yeah, of course and 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 so so I think. As you say, maybe some of those pioneers have have changed and maybe the definition of a farmer has changed. Is, is It's not just about getting dirt under your fingernails. Maybe it's about managing a business.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we have both to, to thank. You know, technology has definitely come a long way and farming in a sense, especially in the last couple of years with these trade deals that, like speaking from a dairy perspective, the last couple of years have been kind of hard as far as as losing in trade deals in the dairy industry. And it's really made us tighten up our our margins and tighten up our books and how much we spend here and how much we spend there. And so I think farming has become much more focused on the bookwork, on the finances. People are starting to and not people are starting people have always looked at books, but there's become a more of a presence and more of an importance to have good book work and to have good finances and, and know know the direction of your operation in order for it to be successful and in order for it to continue for the next generations. Because as we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, it, it can get pretty tight. And we may see that with this COVID nineteen situation, depending on how it how it rolls out over the next, you know, couple of months after it's even after it's done. It'll be interesting to see because when I came home to farm, I can remember, so I actually bought a farm across the road from the home farm, and I can remember our banker saying, the thing that scares bankers and financial advisors about my generation is that we have never seen a hard time in agriculture, and we hadn't, you know like our our parents they've gone through tough times in the in the was it the eighties yeah, and then there was a depression prior to that. And, you know, they just they've gone through through high interest rates and they've gone through like high high land prices or low land prices, whereas we've never we've never experienced that. So I think the last couple of years have kind of tightened, we have forced, forced us to tighten up our belts and forced us to really look at farming, not only as your lifestyle and, and that, but also as a business, because ultimately uh, it is a business and it is feeding our lifestyle as well as everybody else's.
0: And what's interesting to me is, is some of the things, again, it's not just the finances and the bookworks. It's, it's making strategic decisions to do the things that are best for your business, like your farm where you have on-farm processing.
1: Yeah.
0: I was intrigued when you and I had a chat when we were on a panel together about a month ago or probably two months ago now as time passes, that one of the things technology or the robots have let you do is to say not all the milk is exactly the same. You sell an A2 milk, which is, for those that don't know, is a, a product for, those, uh, for, for people who might have dairy sensitivities and it's a different protein and for many people that allows them to, to continue to, to drink and enjoy milk. But because you have the robots and different pipes, that cow has a RFID tag and the robot knows what kind of milk she's producing and ships it to a different tank based on that, right? And so you're, you're able to use technology to really make strategic decisions that allow you to maximize the opportunities for your business.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so there's those technologies and there's also the technologies are helping us to become better managers. I would say a lot of farmers today like us for example we have we have employees and so we've become managers and we're able to you know look at each piece of equipment and make sure that it is useful for us and that it's actually benefiting us in a way and before we purchase a piece of equipment we ensure that that is going to be useful and it's going to benefit us. And it's the same with our hired help, you know, we're able to to work with them and they kind of take some of that physical work off of our plate so that, so that we can look at our books and so that we can sit down because, you know, a lot of people would argue that the, that the computer work is actually some of the most important work that goes on on the farm, just because that's really the basics of, of what makes everything run. So as much as you have to be out with the cows and you have to, to make sure that everything is is healthy and everything is, is sustainable it's important to make sure that your books are healthy too. So I think we we have started to see a switch in that as well in the farming industry.
0: So I have a couple of questions left. I'm getting to the, to the time that I told you I would take, so I'm hopeful that you'll indulge me for a couple of quick questions.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: One challenge we often hear about, especially in dairy, is that it's tough for young people to get into farming. How have you managed to do it?
1: Yeah, so I grew up with parents who uh, went through the 22% interest rates
0: yeah. um, when
1: they started out dairy farming. So they had a much harder time than I have had getting started in dairy farming. And for myself, so and not to say that it's not tough still, I think I am just, I'm comfortable with debt. And you really have to be because it's such a high investment when you first start out. You know, not only do you have to buy a barn and the cows, but you have to buy the quota on top of that. And so, the overhead costs are just so high, and that's I think what the challenge is um and you have to be comfortable with that debt load i'm- I'm fortunate enough to have family who of parents who are advocates for good succession planning and so and along with that, I'm comfortable with having good debt is what we call it and and managing that and so I think that's that's what the the big challenge is and uh yeah, I've been
0: fortunate in many ways. <laughs> well, no, and 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 I think that people don't people often don't understand that, and you know, having you know the challenge of succession planning, which allows people to get into young people to get into farming, while allowing the older generation to to have the the equity to survive and to to have a pension and 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 all of those 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 are often difficult decisions. So it's always nice to see when when it's gone well. Yeah. I think we've talked a little bit about how it's changed since you got into farming. What, what what do you think it'll look like 10 years from now?
1: Yeah, I um I think technology is is just continuing to grow. You know, you read the Ontario Farmer or you read the Progressive Dairyman or any of those kind of magazines and and the future looks so bright. I think that, you know, da- like dairy and meat They are staples and they are needed in our our food system. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot more innovation as far as what we use dairy for um, and maybe different dairy beverages and such. And for example, our own, our own processing facility, it's kind of like a artisan small batch, right? So, and there's a lot more beef farmers that are starting to do that. They're starting to sell beef right from, from their farm gate. And so I think that's really starting to connect the consumer, um, with their food. And that's where we need to get in the future because the technology is not lagging, but we need to make sure that our consumer and and the general public is on side and they understand that technology and the need for that technology because otherwise we're going to run into into troubles where there's this misunderstanding um, and people aren't trusting their food anymore. And those are our only customers. So we need to make sure that they understand what is going on on the farm level. Uh, I think that's our, our biggest priority right now. It should be before we can really continue to take steps in the in the technology direction.
0: Yeah it's interesting because one of the things I've often argued is that one of the big changes we're going to see coming to the food system and that farmers will have to adapt to to a degree you're doing already and and it's very much that we're going to see almost customized or as you say artisan products Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: that we have to realize that that's okay, that if I produce something that's different from my neighbor, that doesn't mean mine is better. It just means there's a different customer. And, And I think that that's an adjustment that many farmers have to come through mentally, that when they see someone say, well, I'm selling this kind of beef or I'm selling this kind of milk, it doesn't mean other kinds of milk are bad. It just means that there is a specific customer segment who wants that. And and I would agree with you. I think that's probably one of the biggest changes we're we're seeing coming down the pipe.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I think um, it's going to be very, very customer focused and it should be because, because with the rise of animal activists, we've seen what happens when it's not customer focused. So.
0: <laughs> so that answers the questions I had for you today. The only thing that I'd add is, is there anything that I didn't ask you or that if you were talking to a a consumer or an interested listener that you'd say that you haven't already had the chance to say
1: yeah um i think we covered a lot of it yeah i think it's great to get the information out and i think it's great for people like yourselves who host podcasts to to get information to those consumers because that's such an important part in going forward for sure
0: Perfect. Well, that's it then. Thank you very much for taking the time and keep up the good work.
1: Great. Thank you. Have a great day, Mike.
0: Yes, you too. Bye-bye. As we wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. Check out our trends report and get in touch with us. Foodfocus at We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, If you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.